If you've heard me preach over the last number of years, uh, you've heard me talk about my favorite characters in the Bible. Um, so my three favorite characters in the Bible, after Jesus, of course, um, is Peter, the Apostle Peter. I love him because, um, A, he was a coward. Um, he was like, yes, Jesus, I am going to follow you wherever you go. And a few hours later, somebody's like, don't you know Jesus? And he's like, whoa, whoa, no, 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 you got somebody else. And yet, despite his cowardice, God used him to build his church. Peter was also impetuous. You know, he's the guy who jumped out of the boat without thinking it through. Good for him. Um, but he, he, he acts first and thinks later. He was the guy who pulled out the sword when the Roman soldiers came to arrest Jesus, and Peter pulls out the sword, right? Of course, he doesn't attack the guy with the swords. He attacks the servant who is completely, you know, defenseless, but still. Uh, <laughs> impetuous. He acts first and thinks later. And I, I, I have a tendency, and don't ask my wife about this because we don't need to get into stories, but I may have a tendency to sometimes act first and think later about the consequences of that. So I can really identify with Peter. One of my other favorite characters um, used to be Jonah. Used to be Jonah because, again, he was, he was afraid. He was a coward. He ran. God said, I want you to go to Nineveh. And he's like, yeah, no, I'm out of here. And he goes in the opposite direction. I used to always look at that as like he was afraid of what the Ninevites would do to him if he went and he basically preached that they needed to repent or be destroyed. But if you read through Jonah, you realize what he was actually afraid of was that they would repent and that God would show mercy. And he did not want God showing mercy on his enemies. So I've actually knocked Jonah off of my list of favorite characters uh, because I misunderstood his story when I was younger. Um, but today we're going to talk about the third on my list of favorites, a donkey. You can read into that all you want about why a donkey is one of my favorites. Um, but this morning we're going to talk about Balaam's donkey. How many are familiar with Balaam, his history? A few hands, a little bit. Yeah, okay, good. So <clears throat> there are a lot of unlikely heroes in the Bible. God has a history of taking the flawed people and then using them for his glory which is another wonderful reason why I love reading the stories in the Bible because I am a flawed individual and if God can use some of those people to accomplish his will, then he can use me as well. This morning we're going to talk about a donkey. <clears throat> so Balaam, now ba this is about the time when uh, Moses had led the Israelites out of Egypt. They're they've gone through their 40 years in the desert and they are about to start to enter the promised land. Well, they're coming into the promised land and they're starting now to encounter resistance from the people that live there. So you may have heard, um, if you've been in church for a while, you may have heard people talk about the Moabites. Uh, they were one of the peoples that uh, Israel came up against. And so this story takes place as Israel is about to go to war against the citizens of Moab. And the king looks out and he sees the Israelites and he's heard already about how Israel has started to come in and how the Israelites have started to wipe out the people and have started to take possession of the land that God gave to them. And he's afraid. The king of Moab is afraid and so he calls to Balaam. So Balaam is not, he's not an Israelite. He was living in the area, but he had a history. He was known to have a history of successfully cursing people and blessing people. In fact, the king of Moab specifically says, I've called you because I have heard that the people that you bless are blessed and the people that you curse are cursed. And so the, he calls Balaam and says, I want you to curse the Israelites because otherwise they are going to wipe us out. Now, 
We're going to pick up the story. This is in Numbers chapter 22. So we don't have it um, on the overhead there. If you have your Bibles or if you have the Bible app on your phone, uh, we're going to be looking at Numbers, the book of Numbers, uh, chapter 22. If you think that the book of Numbers is just Numbers, uh, there's actually a lot more in there. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting stuff in the book of Numbers. So we're, gonna, we're in chapter 22, and we're going to pick up the story here, the story here in verse 21. This is where the donkey comes into the story. Up until this point, it's just basically a story about war. Um, but now it gets good because the donkey shows up. So we're going to read uh, verses 21 to 34, and then we'll kind of come back and start to unpack that. So at this point, um, the king of Moab has called for, has sent a message out to Balaam. He said, I want you to come and curse the Israelites. Uh, Balaam says to the people, says to the messengers, okay, just wait here overnight. I'm going to talk to God and see what he says. <clears throat> Balaam talks to God. God says, do not go with them. I have blessed Israel. And so um, Balaam goes out to the messengers the next morning and says, I'm not going to go with you because God has told me not to curse the Israelites. So the messengers go back to the king of Moab. The king of Moab is like, yeah, that's not good enough for me. I'm going to send you more money. I'm going to send you higher ranking officials. And so they go back to Balaam and they say, okay, the king has sent us back to you. We would like you to come with us. And Balaam says, well, I already told you. <laughs> God said no. Uh, but let me go back and talk to God again and see if he has changed his mind. See if he has something else to say to me. The next day, Balaam goes to the people and says, okay, I'm going to go with you. So now we pick up the story as they're starting on their journey. So the next morning, so this is the morning after uh, the second visit to Balaam. The next morning, Balaam saddled his donkey and started off with the Moabite officials. But God was furious that Balaam was going, so he sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. Now, as I'm reading through this, I want you to picture this in your mind, okay? I want you to picture what's happening in this time period. This is a few thousand years before Jesus was born. They're out walking on the dusty road. He's riding on a donkey. And as I'm reading through the story, I want you to picture in your mind, think about this as a movie playing out. What, does, what would this look like if you were to imagine, imagine this story? So he sent the angel of the Lord. God sent the angel of the Lord to stand in the road to block his way. As Balaam and two servants were riding along, Balaam's donkey suddenly saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with the drawn sword in his hand. The donkey bolted off the road into a field, but Balaam beat it and turned it back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood at a place where the road narrowed between two walls. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing there, it tried to squeeze by and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So Balaam beat the donkey again. Then the angel of the Lord moved further down the road and stood in a place so narrow that the donkey could not get by at all. This time, when the donkey saw the angel, it lay down under Balaam. Smart donkey, right? Sees the angel of the Lord with a drawn sword. He's like, yeah, no, I'm out of here. Runs off into a field. Balaam says, nope, not good enough. Starts beating the donkey to get him back onto the road. So they start going down the road again. And again, the angel of the Lord shows up and the donkey is like, yeah, I'm staying away from this guy. But the road was narrow. There were two, there were two walls there. So he's trying to squeeze past the angel. I can picture this, right? A donkey is trying to squeeze past the angel of the Lord, rubs up against the wall, 
and squishes, if you're thinking about riding a donkey, squishes Balaam's foot against the wall, which of course angered him, so then he starts beating the donkey again. Third time, angel of the Lord shows up in front of the donkey. The donkey's like, that's it, I'm done. I'm a, I'm a, I, just, I just can't anymore. I'm just going to lay down right here in the middle of the road. I don't blame them. Just lay down right here in the middle of the road. I am not going a step further. In a fit of rage, <laughs> Balaam beat it again with his staff. Then the Lord caused the donkey to speak. Anybody heard a donkey speak? Okay. Then the Lord caught, okay, that's good. <laughs> that's, that's probably good. If you said yes, I might, I might suggest other things. <laughs> then the Lord caused the donkey to speak. What have I done to you that deserves you beating me these three times? The donkey's counting. <laughs> He's keeping track. You know later in 1 Corinthians where Paul says love keeps no record of wrongs? The donkey was keeping track. He was keeping a record. So he says, why are you beating me these three times? Okay, having a donkey talk to you is one thing. Answering it and carrying on conversation is something completely different. Balaam's response, because you have made me look like a fool, he shouted. If I had a sword with me, I would kill you. <laughs> donkey talks again, says, but I'm the same donkey you always ride on. Have I ever done anything like this before? No, Balaam admitted. So Balaam just lost an argument to a donkey. <laughs> Not only is he hearing a donkey talk, not only is he actually engaging in conversation with the donkey, he just lost an argument. That's not going good for him. Then the, angel, then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the roadway with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam fell face down on the ground before him. Why did you beat your donkey those three times, the angel demanded. I have come to block your way because you are stubbornly resisting me. Three times, the donkeys <clears throat> three times the donkey saw me and shied away. Otherwise, I would certainly have killed you by now and spared the donkey. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fairly uh, damning comment there. I would certainly have killed you. The donkey lives. <laughs> then Balaam confessed to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to block my way. I will go back home if you are against my going. I love this story. I love just picturing how this would look um, if you were to put this into a movie format. And as I play it out in my mind, uh, I just find this an incredibly intriguing story. Really, what it comes down to is this story has two donkeys in it. One, one with four legs and one with two. <coughs> we have our um, literal donkey, and then we have our figurative one. One donkey was used by God, while the other one tried to use God for his own financial gain. Later on in the New Testament, Peter, in one of his letters, he actually refers back to Balaam and talks about his greed and how he was blinded by his greed. You see, when the, Balaam, when, when the king's messengers first came, they offered money to Balaam for him to curse the Israelites. And God said, God told Balaam, no. So he sent the message back to the king, no, I won't do it. So then he comes back a second time with more, offers him more, and now all of a sudden we have dollar signs showing up in Balaam's eyes, and he's, he's going back to God. It's like, maybe God, I don't think you realized how much money is really at stake here. Um, can you really let me curse the Israelites? Because I could really use this cash. This is Balaam's approach. We know that he was blinded by his own greed. <clears throat> so I love looking at the crazy in this story, 
Um, as I mentioned, you know, losing an argument to a donkey <clears throat> and then being told by an angel, um, you die, the donkey lives, because he was the right one in this story. But despite this, there's some lessons that we can learn from the figurative donkey in this story. And so this morning, four lessons that I've learned from a donkey, the donkey being Balaam, the figurative one. <clears throat> First lesson I learned, open your eyes to see what God is doing in your life. Was Balaam blinded by God so he couldn't see the angel until just the right time? Or is it that Balaam saw but didn't care or didn't recognize what was going on? We don't have the internal workings of what, what was going on in his mind. Later on in Peter, he does actually refer to um, uh, Balaam's insanity at the moment. And so clearly, mentally, he was not... Okay. I mean, we all know he was not <clears throat> entirely stable as he was having a conversation with the donkey. But the point is here that he was completely oblivious to what God was doing. God had already given him a message, said, no, do not do this. And he takes the first step of obedience. He goes back to the king's messenger, says, okay, I'm not going to do this because God said no. But then they come back at him with more money. And now all of a sudden he's like, cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. I can retire off of this one. And so he, changed, he goes back to God and he's like, God, are you sure about what you said the first time around? And that was where the issue comes. He was hoping to get a different answer from God the second time around. Not because he was uncertain if he heard God clearly the first time. Has anybody ever prayed and been uncertain about whether or not what you were hearing was really from God? Or maybe it was just your own imagination? I'm guilty of that myself. But no, this time he went back to God because he wanted the money. He was in it for the money. He wasn't there because he wanted to accurately hear God's voice and follow accordingly. He wanted God to change his mind so that he could get money out of it. See, God guides us. Much as a loving parent guides their children. A child doesn't always understand the ways of the parent, but it's the responsibility of the parent to guide and teach the child. And in the same way, God guides us through our life. <clears throat> now, there may be times where we misunderstand what he's saying. I certainly know I'm guilty of that. I've made decisions in my life that I look back afterwards and I'm like, ah, oh. when I sensed God saying, go this way and I went this way instead, that was my error. And I knew that God was leading me one direction, but wasn't entirely certain. And so I went in the wrong way. But I know that God, as a good, good father, as the song says, God is a good, good father. I know that he is continually guiding me through my life. I know that when things seem dark, and Balaam was in a dark place, God tried to guide him, and Balaam chose to ignore that. <clears throat> what God is looking for is obedience. And Balaam originally did that the first time around. He obeyed God the first time God said something to him. But then he questioned it. He questioned whether or not God would really actually do this or will God change his mind in order to allow me to become financially successful. Now, I will be the first to admit that when I started my business, one of the things I wanted was to be financially successful. I wanted to support my family. I wanted to be able to put a roof over the head. I wanted to be able to um, put food on the table but I also wanted to be able to drive a nice vehicle. And God granted me success 
to a point. And it was one of the things that I needed to do was to ensure that at no time did I ever allow my success as a business owner to become more important than the God who helped me build that to begin with. God continued to guide. And I'll be honest, there are days when I make the wrong mistake. Or sorry, when I, make, when I hear wrong and I, and I make a mistake. But I know that God is faithful because he has promised he is faithful. And he will continue to be faithful to us even when we are not faithful to him because he cannot betray his own character. So the first lesson I learned from Balaam, open my eyes to see what God is doing in my life. If I'm going to ask God for direction, I need to take the time to listen. And then I need to have the courage to put into place what it is that he's telling me. <clears throat> Balaam was blind. He didn't see what God was doing in his life. The second thing I've learned from a donkey, don't let your pride get in your way. Verse 29 says, when Balaam, every time I refer back to this, I'm going to have to laugh, but when Balaam asks him, why did you beat me these three times? Because you made me look like a fool, was his response. Balaam was more concerned about his image than he was about the fact that he was to have a conversation with the donkey. I mean, if you've got a problem with your image, stop talking to a donkey. His concern was how he looked. See, in their, in their day, agriculture was everything, and so the quality of your animals <clears throat> was, um, was an important status symbol. And so for his donkey to be running through a field would, be, would have made him look foolish because he had lost control over his property. For his donkey to hurt his leg by squeezing up against a, a stone wall would have made him look foolish in the eyes of the officials that the king had sent because he had lost control of his donkey. When the donkey lays down in the middle of the road and refuses to get up, it made him look like a fool. I think making him look like a fool was having the conversation with the donkey, but we're not going to beat that, beat that one too much. The point here is Balaam allowed his pride to become more important than anything else at that point. Instead of asking, why is my donkey acting in such an unusual way? Remember, the donkey said to him, am I not the same one that has served you this whole time? Have I ever done anything like this before? No, he admits. And so instead of questioning why is this happening, his immediate go-to is, hey, you're, you're making me look bad. So the lesson that I learned from this is I need to make sure that my pride is not affecting my ability to recognize what God is doing. Balaam was concerned because he basically got embarrassed. So what was his response? Three times he responded the same way. He beat the donkey. This is an example of, if you find yourself in a hole, stop digging. Balaam was in a hole, but he just kept on digging deeper and deeper, and he got farther and farther down in that hole. He tried to save face with the officials by beating the donkey. He thought that that would make him look powerful. He thought it would make him look in control. Has anyone ever been in a situation <clears throat> where you felt like things were out of control, and you tried to force or impose your will in order to get the desired response. That's what Balaam did. His donkey was out of control, made him look bad. Instead of addressing the root cause of the problem, he decided to take it out in violence. Now, I hope that we haven't 
gotten to that point, but maybe it's not violence, but maybe there are other ways that we've tried to impose our will on a situation or on a person in order to get that person to do what we want them to do. Have you ever done that? Have you ever found yourself in that situation where you feel like your own pride has been challenged and it's pushed you to dig deeper? And instead of addressing the root cause of the problem, you try to enforce your will. Instead, what Balaam should have done is he should have stepped back, analyzed the situation, and realized that he had disobeyed God from the beginning. Before he even set out on that journey, he had already gone against the will of God by going back to him that second time and asking him that question. My lesson is, don't let my pride be the reason that I don't see what God is doing. New Testament talks often about humbling ourselves. Talks about Jesus being humble to the point where he even humbled himself enough to go to the cross for us. Humility is one of the driving characters of Jesus. And if we want to emulate that, if we're going to be his disciples, if we're going to be called by his name, we are called to live as he lived which means to have our lives characterized by humility. Balaam completely missed the point on that one. <clears throat> the third, third lesson I learned, examine your motives. Examine my motives. Where did Balaam start to go wrong in the story? He started out on the right path. People came to him with a question. He didn't know the right answer. He went to God. God gave him the answer. He obeyed, went back to the people and said, no, I'm not going to do what you want me to do because God doesn't want me to do that. They leave. Now they come back with more money. What would Balaam's appropriate response, what, what should his response have been at that point? You already asked me. I already asked God. God gave me the answer. The answer is still the same. But we know from what Peter says that Balaam was greedy. And so that's why he made the mistake of going back to God that second time. Almost like he's asking that question, did you really say no the first time? I don't think you realize how much money is on the line here. Balaam didn't stop and examine his own motives for asking God the question the second time. He saw what was being offered to him. And he was hoping that he could negotiate with God. Anybody ever tried to negotiate with God? I'll just be the first to put my hand up. That way, if you, don't, you, you feel like you're not the only one with your hand up. <clears throat> Negotiating with God uh, does not usually end well. Uh, you end up talking to a donkey in the middle of the road. Balaam tried to negotiate with God. He was okay with the answer the first time around. But the second time around, his greed took over. And he wanted to try to figure out how he could manipulate God into getting rich. It forces us to ask our own questions. What is our driving motive? In everything we do in life, is our driving motive to advance our own purpose? Or is our driving motive to glorify God in our life? Am I trying to build up my own dynasty? Or am I trying to build God's kingdom? What is my motive? And if you're finding yourself in a situation where you're not quite sure, left or right, what is the right choice, ask yourself, of these two options in front of me, does one of them build me up 
And does the other one build God's kingdom? It's an important question to ask. In fact, I had a friend uh, years ago, and when I rode in his car, uh, he had a little, he'd printed out a little um, uh, piece of paper, and he taped it to his dashboard. And then later I saw it in his office as well. And it was a simple question, who is getting the glory? In everything that he did, his goal was to always make sure that God was getting the glory for how he lived his life. He kept that question in front of him so that he would not lose focus, so that his motives would remain pure, trying to glorify God. And it's a question that we need to ask ourselves on a daily basis. In everything that I do, in the way that I live my life, in the way that I even stand here in front of you now, am I here trying to build myself up or am I trying to give glory to God in the way that I live? in the way that I speak, in the way that I operate, in the way that I run a business, in the way that I parent my children, in the way that I am a husband to my wife, in the way that I am a neighbor to somebody who may not act very neighborly to me, in the way that I interact with them when I don't want to interact in the way that Jesus wants me to interact, am I living my life in such a way that God is going to get the glory however I word my answers to people, however I speak to people, I reflect Jesus. How am I reflecting him? Is he getting glory by the way that I live my life? And finally, the last lesson I learned from a donkey. Don't compromise on what you know is true. In verse 19 of chapter 22, this is when they came back to him a second time. They had taken their answer back to the king and the king responded and said, uh, I'm going to send even more. I'm going to send higher ranking officials. <coughs> Bal Balaam's response is, even if Balak, who is the king, even if Balak were to give me a palace filled with silver and gold, hint, hint, I'd like a palace filled with silver and gold. Who doesn't want a palace filled with silver and gold? I mean, come on. It's almost like Balaam was giving them a hint as to how much they should offer him. But he says, even if he were to give me a palace filled with silver and gold, I would be powerless to do anything against the will of the Lord my God. That should have been the end of the story. So he got it so close. He got, he got it right, and then at the finish line, oh, he just kind of deviated. And the next word is, but... But stay here one more night to see if the Lord has anything else to say to me. What else could you say to me, Lord? Take the money and curse the Israelites, even though I've already said to you that I'm going to bless them? Don't compromise on what you know is true. Balaam knew the answer. God had been clear. But he didn't like the answer. He knew the truth, he just didn't want to follow it. Because there was even more money up for grabs. He knew, he knew, what, he was, he knew what he was supposed to do, but he got blinded by his own greed and the wealth, <coughs> and he ended up, losing a talking <laughs> ended up losing an argument to a talking donkey. So the question we're faced with in this story, we have two donkeys. 
Who do you want to be like? Hard to say. I want to be like a four-legged donkey. I want to be the donkey who sees what God is doing in my life and is willing to change my actions in order to comply with his will. The angel of the Lord did not want Balaam to continue on and tried to stop him three times. And every time the donkey was like, I got the message. I'll deviate from this wrong path. Balaam did not get the message. Unfortunately, too often I have found myself to be more like the figurative donkey in the story and not like the literal donkey that I should be like. But as I said before, God is gracious. God has been gracious to me when I have been the Balaam in my story. There are times I've been the donkey. There are too many times I've been the Balaam. I think every one of us at some point in our life, we have been the Balaam in this story, in our story. But praise God because he does not leave us there. He doesn't turn his back on us and walk away. There are times I have missed what God was doing and I ran off in my own direction. But thankfully, God's grace always exceeds my foolishness. Apply that in your life. God's grace always exceeds your foolishness. I feel like I need to be examining my own motives on a daily basis. What am I trying to build? Am I trying to build Kevin's empire? Or am I trying to build God's kingdom in this world? <clears throat> a mute donkey, literally a dumbass, is a. B- <laughs> I've always wanted to say dumbass from the pulpit. <laughs> Can't fire me because I'm a volunteer. <laughs> Dwayne's back tomorrow. You can call him about that. A <laughs> We talk about unlikely heroes in the Bible. Well, a literal dumbass is about as unlikely of a hero as you're going to find. But maybe that's why I've always loved this story. God takes the ordinary and he turns it into something absolutely extraordinary. Something that we look at and we just dismiss donkeys. We dismiss them as being stubborn mules. And yet in this story, he's the hero. In fact, He saved Balaam's life. The angel said, if the donkey hadn't just sat right down in the middle of the road, I would have killed you, Balaam, and I would have spared the life of the donkey because he had more value. He did what was right. God takes the ordinary and he makes it extraordinary. And if he can use a donkey, if he can use a literal donkey to accomplish his will to teach us a lesson, then maybe there's hope for me. Maybe he can use me. He can use any one of us. So maybe you haven't had a chance to be the unlikely hero in someone else's life. Maybe you have been the unlikely hero in someone else's life. Maybe you know about it. Maybe you don't know about it. Maybe you'll find out when you get to heaven how God used you to save someone else. I think that would be absolutely amazing to get to heaven and have God say, hey, you see that person over there who's in heaven too? They're here because of you. I think that would be absolutely phenomenal. But learn and apply the lessons that Balaam completely missed out on. 
If he had learned any one of these lessons and had applied them, we probably wouldn't have his story right now to learn about, to talk about. But if given the choice, I would rather be like the four-legged donkey that recognizes God's action and responds accordingly as opposed to the figurative donkey that just ran right through because he was blinded by his own greed and his own pride. So that's my prayer for us this morning. Be a donkey in a good way. Don't be a donkey. Be like a donkey. <laughs> Recognize God's will for your life. Have the courage to implement that and don't allow pride to distract you from what God is doing in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this, this awesome story that aside from everything else, Lord, it just shows us your sense of humor, that you would take the ordinary donkey that just gets dismissed as a nobody <clears throat> and you would use him to show us how we are to live our life and how we are to glorify you and how we are to look for your action in our life. I pray, Lord, that each one of us would allow you to break down our own pride, that we would be able to set aside our desires for these earthly, worldly things that blind us to see what you're really doing in our life. I ask that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes to see your hand at work, and I ask for the courage, Lord, to follow you, even when it seems to go against what everything around us is telling us. I pray, Lord, that we would have the courage to follow you, and that through that, we can bring glory to you, and we can seek to build your kingdom and not our own. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.